Hey all, welcome back to Dev Dive episode 10. I'm your host Nighthawk and I'm joined as always by Riot Legend Larry and here again by public request ESLCJ, lovely guest last week who had him on again for this week and joined by the absolutely magnificent as always Travesty. He's our new guest for this week. Travesty, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, well, I, apparently I'm absolutely magnificent, which I will <laughs> gladly take. Uh, but yeah, my name's, uh, I go by Travesty. Uh, I cast a lot of different amateur leagues, uh, most known for casting in the Title I Championship Series. Uh, and I've also casted a bunch of different events, uh, primarily in the amateur league, like Upsurge and whatnot. But uh, I've been around in the scene for a good bit of time, and I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Yeah. So this week, um, last week we touched on this a little bit. We talked a little bit about casting and amateur tournaments with CJ, but we decided um, since we're having you on this week and since you are a caster of many amateur tournaments, we're going to mm-hmm. dive into this a little bit more um, than we did last week. So I think the first question we're going to ask is, how did you get into casting in the first place? Like, did you just say, hey, this is fun. I'm going to look for spots. How did it go? Uh, so my experience was, uh, hi, this is fun. Uh, also was born out of a love for League of Legends, uh, and watching the esports. I actually got my start in League of Legends, uh, by going, I used to play competitive, uh, Call of Duty. Uh, so I used to go to MLG events. Um, and I went to MLG Raleigh, I think this was 2011. It was when the Curse Dignitas fiasco happened. I don't know if you guys remember it, but basically they win trade. They were like, it, the points didn't matter because they had a point system at that time. And uh, cool. they uh, they basically said, all right, we're just going to ARAM. Before ARAM was actually a game mode, they were like, we're just going to ARAM in the middle. And then MLG oh. like fine uh, both Curse and Dignitas <laughs> yeah. because of that. And it was just, yeah. but I watched that. And as a viewer watching an ARAM, I was like, oh, every League of Legends game is exactly like this. <laughs> and uh I, I believe the cast is that I had, I had D-Man over there casting as well, which was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so listening to him got me interested into the game. And then as I played more of the game until I gradually got my way to level 30, I grew an interest in the casting. And then I saw an ad for Compete League. Uh, I signed up to join for Compete League. And then that is basically uh, how everything started for me. I signed up there. They had a emergency situation where they didn't have a caster, and then they threw me up with uh, Mad Magical, who is Ooh. formerly known as Magical Voice. That was my first casting uh, partner, uh, and yeah, I just we just went at it. How did it go? How did that first match go? Uh, I think it went fine. I color cast. So my first season as a uh, in compete league, uh, I actually casted as a color caster which is weird because I'm a play-by-play caster now. Uh, Could but... you explain the difference between those two? Because like I said, I have no idea what that, <laughs> what that is. Uh, uh, color caster basically is more informative, is really writing up a lot of the narrative is what the preconceived thing of everything is. So you're really talking about uh, what champions do, you're breaking down, champ select is a huge thing, uh, actually talking about uh, points of transition, uh, really learning how to uh, talk about like what does each individual matchup look like? How does this affect? What are win conditions? Well, play-by-play uh, is predominantly knowing how to, first and foremost, talk. 
Mm. Um, if you don't know how to talk correctly in a lot of different senses, it's a little bit weird. Also, knowing how to call fights, uh, memorizing ability names, uh, making sure to be somebody that your color caster can bounce off of. You do still need to be knowledgeable of the game mm-hmm. as a play-by-play because you need to know all the different interactions. That way you're prepared. Uh, so the main difference between the two it kind of breaks down on that. Color casters are super important in like games that have very low kills uh, because oh. there's so much objective play and whatnot. While play-by-plays and games that have high kills or even if it's low kills, being able to really make that hype moment, that big turning point into a memorable moment for the viewer is your big priority. Okay. So uh, you said that you're normally a play-by-play caster. CJ, you're normally a color caster, right? Uh, not anymore. I actually anymore. pulled the travesty ah. route, and I started out as a color caster. Um, for I started casting at the start of 2019. Um, I uh, also started with Compete League, but that was as a, as a behind the scenes admin. I saw a Reddit post advertising for voluntary organizers, and I just finished uni, or I was in my last year of uni, and I had nothing better to do, so I joined <laughs> up. And um, I think at one point at Compete League, I was on an analyst desk for a pre-finals thing, just because they needed somebody. As you know, similar sometimes you just the person doesn't show up, or you need someone to fill the spot. So I jumped in and really enjoyed it, but I wasn't confident enough by any means to get in front of the camera for a long time until now when I'd moved down to Leicester for work and I'd already done a great deal of personal developing over those few years and wanted to get started with it. I started with color because I just felt like I had a decent knowledge of the game and I wasn't confident in my speaking. And as Trav says, being able to speak properly and fluently and fluidly as a play-by-play is so, so important. But as it went on, I felt like when I casted with other people who were way more knowledgeable about the game and strategy and just had a better mind for studying the game, I felt embarrassed about my color casting because I didn't think I knew enough. <laughs> so I was like, dang it. I'm going to be a play-by-play, dude. I'm going to dumb this down, okay? So I swapped to play-by-play, and I actually have a lot more fun being a play-by-play, honestly. I think it is so much fun being a play-by-play. And as Trav says, you still need the knowledge, and you've got to be able to bounce off your color cast and maybe set them up for a point. So, yeah. Would you say That's that... Cool. Just to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go ahead. So, and just just to point out, because um, it's such a it's such a topic that we try to hammer home is, is hearing both your stories. It's so great to hear. It's like I didn't go to school for Greg. I mean, uh, no. you know, obviously, it's not really something that's that's taught right now. But like the backgrounds are not. Oh, I I you know I was you know sports broadcaster. I was this. I was mm-hmm. that. No, you had a mm-hmm. you had a love of the game. You had a knowledge of it, and you went out and found an opportunity that wasn't paid automatically. I know that's a, that's a mindset that I think a lot of people have when they try to get out. It's like, oh, I need to be paid. I need to have professional experience. No, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Like volunteer organizations, any experience where you do it and do it with a team and as a group, like that's experience. That's, that's invaluable. So that's awesome to hear that both of you are where you are right now and that you started with, hey, I like this. I'm going to find some place that's going to ask me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Actually, a big misconception, actually, is, like, I have to be paid. And it's just like, no, you really need to prove yourself if you want to be paid. (laughs) And the best way to prove yourself is to go for one of these volunteer orgs and focus on working on yourself and finding ways to really make yourself improve. Like, uh, CJ talked about him switching from color to play-by-play. Mine was actually uh, off of my first uh, season casting with Compete League. They actually flew me out to uh, Calgary to cast live for an event and they were like hey we're gonna make you play by play in this 
and I was just like, oh, okay, I, I haven't done that. And uh, we did practice rounds. Like, we had an Airbnb where we stayed at, and uh, one of the EU guys that worked over there, uh, Counterfeit, uh, is the most memorable that comes to my mind where he was just like, wait, you've got a voice for this. He's like, you don't play by play? Are you kidding me? He's like, you could actually, he's like, if you didn't cast, just like, go do this. Like, you actually could really make play by play your thing. And that's when, after doing that and having a very good reception to the broadcast and then uh, also working the analyst desk over there, uh, I I just fell in love with the fact of everything that went on with it. And I just like, I, I have to keep doing play by play. Play by play is just too much fun, like CJ said. <laughs> Would you ever find yourself going back to color? Like if you had to, or you're, you're just stuck in play by play? If I was casting with a particular person, yes. Uh, I would color... If I were casting with Mad Magical, I would color with him in a heartbeat because it is actually... Me and him have, like, an innate synergy with one another, and we just... Not only do we have a really good time, but the overall feel of any cast that has both me and him in it tends to be just a really fun cast for the viewers as well. So I just... Like, if I can have that synergy with somebody, like the same synergy I have with Magical, uh, 110%, I will color if that is what the decision has to be. I will absolutely color. There's also been cases where um, I casted with Rivington. Uh, when I casted with Riv, uh, I went, I did color there, too. It's like I knew that he's good as a play-by-play, and I can jump in there, and I can basically go right back into color because I do have the game knowledge and I know as a play-by-play you really have to know what you if you don't know what a good color is and you don't know what like good things to say at certain points are it's harder to be a play-by-play because you don't know how to flip things and you don't know how to ask the questions that the color wants to answer yeah I think that I think it's really uh important what you said that you have this innate synergy with magical and that you could just jump back into a cast with them in the heartbeat and it really is true that some people when you're casting with them you really just have wildly good chemistry compared to others Mm -hmm. and you can just click into a cast with specific people way easier than others it's so apparent when you're casting if you're a good caster you can make it so that the audience can't tell when you maybe have not as good synergy with other people but it's really apparent when you're in the moment and you're trying to discuss and like follow the narrative of a game if your color caster is in sync with you it's it's i was surprised by how much disparity i could feel even at a low experience <laughs> level between not like that they're bad or they're good but just how our personalities and our casting self fit together yeah it's yeah. like dancing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. some people step on your toes some people yeah. are just like yeah just, just, just magical. Okay, you just know yeah cool. yeah do you think the the auction people who like do the really fast auction calling, do you think they'd be good game casters? Uh, I'm gonna answer that right now. No, they're, un, they're, un, they're unintelligible, right? You can't even word this name. Like you, you, watch the pointing, you have no idea. What yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like I actually get offended when as a play by play caster when somebody says, "Oh man, you should be an auctioneer," and I'm like, "No, stop it! That's an, that's an insult. No, they can't understand what I'm saying. Then I don't yeah. like that." Yeah. Yeah, and also it's uh, just because I'm that kind of nerd. You know, I watched a I watched a documentary about about auctioneers and what they go through. As and you I'm like, this, like yeah, you know, I got spare time. Um, yeah. and like yeah, like what what you two are describing is like not even in the same ballpark. Yeah, you're talking, but that's that's about mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. that that that's the, about the as much overlap as you get between an auctioneer and a caster, from what I can. Yeah. Yeah, and. 
I think like reading what's going to happen next in like the moment like is also another big thing. Uh, especially, I don't know if CJ feels the same way as a play-by-play, but you you know when you see a fight happening, it's like a constant game inside of my head of all right, I'm speaking about everything that's happening right now, but what's happening mm-hmm. next? That way I can go ahead and prepare the words inside of my head, and that way I can shoot them out when it happens. And that also leads into some fun moments where uh, something un. Uh, unprecedented happens like a, a steal happens on an objective as we're going or something like that it gives you as a caster it gives you that surprise like oh my god this just actually happened moment. <laughs> so it's really it's really a big that would be the biggest difference there is like they're not reading anything they're just why nobody why nobody we don't want i want to i got a three over that and it's like yeah none of that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah ben what an insensitive question <laughs> yeah insensitive to my feelings then <laughs> um yeah that's what actually was gonna say yeah sorry you threw me for a loop i was gonna say something something about this you sort of led into it with a tangent how important do you think game knowledge is to casting for both colors and play-by-plays like how much do you have to know about league of legends to be a good caster it's essential it's essential caster for league essential (laughs) it's it is so it will take seconds for your audience to pick up if you don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and they will turn on you and they will turn <laughs> on the broadcast they will turn on the tournament they will turn on everybody uh oh, wow. if, if you if you get caught out and you embarrass yourself you you're gonna you're gonna see it in the discord chat for weeks <laughs> and months afterwards you're gonna get it brought up like it's it's so integral to at the very least even if you don't know every skill name or if you don't know what is happening just don't act like you do because like mm-hmm. they don't the audience don't know either and especially if you're a play-by-play that's what the color is for just, <laughs> just be a dumbass and be like what is what are they going to do now what should they do now or like if you were them what do they do it's as a play-by-play it's so easy to palm it off and like as long as if you can understand what's going on on a general level you can make it very smooth and you can like you can set them up for their points and you're better at it but i think that the worst thing you can do is try and assert incorrect uh, statements as mm-hmm. fact. And there's this really specific example that Captain Flowers did this season, I think, or last season, where he was casting like a something, and there was just like a very interesting, unique interaction. And the first thing he said was, now for all you bronze analysts in the chat, this didn't happen. Actually, this happened. And within like a minute on Reddit, there's a post that's a paragraph long. This didn't happen. It's not even close to what happened. Here's the math breakdown of how that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I'd be mortified. I can't yeah. imagine. That's the like, scariest thing to have happen. We actually had a, because uh, I cast uh, currently like things that I've been casting. I was casting Collegiate League of Legends uh, before, of course, everything that had happened. Um, and they had to put a stop to that for uh, this season. But uh, I was I casted this weird interaction I've never seen before, where it was uh, the NCSU had a Kled and J four on their team, and Kled charged. He used his ultimate to run forward, but at the point that he ran to, right as he was about to make it there, the J four ulted, which created terrain, which mm. then threw off the pathing of the charge, which made him run all the way back to the dragon pit. This was inside of the enemy nexus. <laughs> And then run all the way back to go oh, as soon no. as the wall went down to go gra- go to the same spot that he originally clicked that. And that one point, I didn't know what the hell happened. I just laughed and I was just like, I'm yeah. not, I don't have a way to explain this, but this happened. Yeah. 
<laughs> and being the mouthpiece for that confusion that the audience is feeling is sometimes yeah. just as important as yeah. them. sometimes it don't make any sense and that's okay you just gotta so, run with it sometimes you end a, a, a fight with what the hell just happened and that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah you know oh, i like the, one of the most famous calls of all time the faker versus ryu 1v1 ended with what was that yeah. No, no one had seen that level of of destructive outplay until yeah. that point. You know, sometimes oh, man. you just gotta acknowledge. Going it's off on a, a slight tangent for that, because um, this was yeah. something I was thinking about the other day. How you guys have all been playing League for a very, very long time, I imagine. How long have you guys been playing League? Like each since, of us? Since yeah, season yeah. three for me. Oh, season oh, two three. technically. Since season so two. So about eight years for you. Yeah. Uh, season two for me. So. Yeah. I'm a beta well. baby. Beta. Yeah, I started off in beta. <laughs> I'm not good at it, by the way. I don't want to <laughs> time means anything. I'm, the only I'm reason I, I wish I played the game back then is so I could have Black Alistair. That way I could just show that skin off. That's the only reason I wish I played uh, that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so bouncing off of that, the relative skill level of quote-unquote bad players of League of Legends has increased so dramatically over the past 10 years or so that I've been playing League. It's ridiculous. If you go back and you look at, like, Season 1 LCS or, like, Season 2 LCS, and you look at, like, Season 1 plat players, you're like, mm -hmm. I could get the challenger easily, and I'm gold. <laughs> Just look at the, the <laughs> level of play. And, of course, it's hard to tell because yeah. the map looked like garbage back then. All the champions had, like, pizza feet. Um, the abilities were just unintelligible, but just the skill level of the game back then was just so low compared to now. And now when you're playing in like bronze, silver, gold, plat, you'll see these players where they're not great players, but they have like such good base level mechanics where they can play their champions great. They just may not have the macro. They may not have the micro on some levels. And if you go back like five or 10 years, you'll just see this, this massive shift and I encourage any of you to look up like really old League of Legends videos and just see what I'm talking about. You'll see a lot of cool watch changes the, to the uh, game. The Curse game. What was it? Yeah. Curse versus Complexity Black. Look that game up. You watch that game in its entirety, and that will tell you all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. You know what I really miss from the old days of League is the wacky, like the wacky comps that would actually somehow work. <laughs> like the like yeah. the really far out there stuff, mm -hmm. like Reg, like Reggie's um uh uh Carthus, right? Like yeah. he, he, I'm like, what? I remember the first time I watched where he's like, like he just goes ham. I'm going in, and yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I feel like we've works, we've, right? we've lost teams. a little bit of personality yeah. for um yeah. League of Legends players. Yeah. Like we have we have like sort of the stereotypical lcs player where they're like oh they're cocky and they're making trash talk and stuff like that like double lift or whatever and they'll be like tsm doesn't stand a chance this year and they're they have their arms folded like this across yeah. their chest esports e esports media e day pose with the arm, yeah. arms crossed 45 angle. Yeah. <laughs> i hate that pose by the way i cringe every time i see it i get so excited when i see somebody just do any different pose like i don't yeah. care what it is. <laughs> just give me a different pose yeah, yeah. I, I mean i just feel like the personalities back in the day were so much more uninhibited like you had like um oh man Remember we had the odd life. one? We had the microwave. Yeah. We had oh, odd man. One. Do you remember the odd, odd one, one video where he a uh, Bjergsen just joined TSM and he was just like, 
if I don't gank his lane, he takes my uh, chickens. <laughs> and it's just like, that is the funniest thing for me as a, somebody just watching LCS. Yeah. It's just like, everybody else is super happy, and Odd One's just like, if I don't gank their lanes, they take all my caps. I really, yeah. I, I want, so I gank. <laughs> I Jungle. play Malachi, so I can gank. <laughs> Jungle has never changed since then. It's still true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that you said Ben how how the base level of skill has increased so much, but you can still see these players in in Golden Plat that are really practiced mechanically at their champions, but they haven't developed the game sense, and you get these these really weird plays that they're making all the time, and it kind of something that a lot of casters have to deal with, especially casters in amateur leagues, is how to cast bad players, um, how oh. to effectively cast uh to be blunt yeah bad players but like <laughs> yeah, lower yeah. elo players um because there's a discussion to be had over whether you should always try and oversell what's being done or if you should try and be brutally honest or somewhere in the middle or you know what the the attitude of that specific league is and what the community is like because mm -hmm. as you know with the community willing to turn on casters and making mistakes they won't let players forget ever if they <laughs> smite if they malfight out the wrong way or whatever you know that's gonna get clipped it's gonna get shipped yep. and it's gonna yep. stay there forever <laughs> so it's whether you want to try and always build people up or you want to try and maybe offer like constructive criticism if it's like a gold silver league maybe they're watching the vods back and you can actually genuinely help them become a better player by offering stuff like that so i think it's it's interesting to see how each caster approaches uh a questionable play I guess, when they see it happen. Yeah. And this is something that I was thinking about um, earlier this week, watching some of the DCCS games. It's so easy to look really, really good at the game when you're winning. Um, and when you're having a really bad game, it's so yeah. easy to look really, really bad because the way League of Legends works is, in, even though it's more balanced than it used to be, snowballing is inherently going to make you look way better. So, like, the player with more items, the player with more gold, the player with more levels is always going to look better than the player who is three levels under level they have a thousand hp and the zed just one shots them um and i think that's something that people know like they know that but in their head it doesn't really click for them when they're watching these games and they're like what the hell is this team doing they're so terrible when they're just getting absolutely tranced by something and you're like well yeah but i mean it's really easy to to play very well when you're ahead by ten thousand gold <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a that's a thought. What do you think for the for the uh the people who want to get into casting? Um do you think that an exercise of what should they be doing or what what can they do? Um is that a would that be a, a useful mindset or or I don't know, practice um to have? Like what kind of what like, you know, if yes, what kind of skills would that build out that would be helpful to them in the future? Um, I would definitely say yes to that because of the fact of if you learn how to build a discussion off of what's happening and try to build an assumption of, okay, let me throw myself in this player's mindset. This is why he ulted this way. This is what he tried to jump onto. This is how he tried to do this. You actually find a better way to explain the game. And uh, CJ was talking about it earlier with the lower ELO brackets and whatnot that you do cast. Um, finding out what's important to the viewer base is actually a very big thing. And a lot of the viewer base that tends to watch these uh, lower ELO leagues, they're about the same way. 
they're in about that same ELO bracket. And so finding a way to kind of get into their mindset, find a way of understanding is great. And if you're looking into getting into casting, that's actually probably one of the best things that you can ever do to start off because that is just building off of what your base should be as a caster, which is the knowledge aspect of it. And how do I call this? And how would I go about this? Um, so yeah, I 100% agree. That's a beautiful thing, a beautiful starting point for anybody who is interested into casting. It's just kind of putting yourself in other players' mindsets. And even if you're casting like a division that's a higher ELO than you as a caster, uh, figuring out why do they make the plays they do, watch streams, watch content. Uh, uh, the, the biggest friend to uh, a, a League of Legends caster is probably any video game streaming service because you can go and watch something that's higher ELO. You can go watch LCS. You can listen to uh, casters make the calls. You can watch individual solo uh, perspectives and kind of get an idea of what their comms are like when they're talking. It does help build a lot. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I wanted to, we wanted to talk about because I really wanted a tangent off of what you're saying to something else, but I don't want to skip ahead to <laughs> to something that... <laughs> isn't relevant to casting um okay okay. so we'll just talk about this first and then we can move on uh so this is something that can really be attributed to pretty much any like amateur level uh hobby that people have casting is obviously Mm -hmm. what you guys do but playing league of legends um making content anything like this how do you maintain positivity while striving for your long-term goals like how do you stay sane when you're not at a huge level yet and you're still just, you're just grinding away and you're working hard. How do you keep that level of positivity up? Uh, I would probably say just be happy with what you make. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's pretty simple, but if you're happy with what you make, then the chances are you should, you should be, you should be content. You should be happy to continue making content. And obviously uh, I always tell people if you're making content, uh, if you're, creating content or if you're doing any kind of hobby uh the most important thing is how you feel about it if you don't feel happy with it or not you're you're just going to dig yourself a hole and what allows you at the end of that is probably uh could be the loss of something that you truly do love because you went about it maybe the wrong way or something along those lines yeah yeah i think i I think that casting specifically has quite an interesting position there because it is to be a good caster, you got to put in some work. You got to put in some effort. You got to be prepared. A lot of it is very tightly scheduled. You got to be available. It takes like these quite significant time windows that you have to be available for. It's not just like you jump on and play a game or jump off. So you, it's it's a little more like work because you are basically doing a voluntary version of the job that is casting that the paid casters get paid to do. So you have to be able to balance that around your life uh, mm-hmm. and your your other commitments. Um, for me and for imagine for anybody you know here especially and and all over the world is you gotta have a full-time job because casting is is not a fruitful career Mm -hmm. for many it's a fruitful career for probably a few hundred people for esports casting like on earth there's there's really not that many people who can live comfortably off just their casting uh without uh you know supplementing it with streaming or a part-time job or a full-time job or any of that so you've got to be able to make this compartmentalized time to do this and it can get tricky because 
the preparation for casting is kind of like work. So you're working your job and then you got to work for the cast. And then if you have a bad cast, you just feel mm-hmm. like dog afterwards, you know, because it's, as you say, Travis says, you have to be happy in what you do. <laughs> and sometimes you just have a screamer of a cast. It happens, you know, you woke up <laughs> alongside of the bed or you're, I don't know, hung over or whatever. Like you just have a really bad cast. And yeah. it's tough because you got to remain positive and you got to think, I got to improve. I got to do better prep. I got to drink lots of water the night before or whatever you know <laughs> i've got to stay on top of it and with casting it is it's not very rewarding in the immediate material sense it's very much you have to be happy with it and you've got to be happy with yourself working towards a goal yeah. i think yeah, you can like... really assimilate that to like everything in sort of this this sphere of internet content creation that's been sort of coming up these days um Exactly what you said, a very, very, very small percentage of people are actually going to be able to make this their job, their full-time job. But that doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. You can't have a good time casting just because you might never be uh, the next Riot Freak or you might never be Rivington. You can still have like a great time with your friends casting mm-hmm. games, producing amazing content. And who knows? If you're having a good time, it shows when you're doing your job or your hobby. Um, and people coming in will see that. They'll see that you're having a good time. You're acting very professional. You're doing as good as a job as you can. And they'll be like, hey, maybe I'll take him on for my next. I'm going to be organizing this. Maybe I need somebody who can do this. And I mm-hmm. think that can be really done for anything. Casting is the example that you were using. But if you're in production or you're in um, video creation or you're in editing or, or any sorts of these low-level like hobby activities, just do your mm-hmm. best. Try to enjoy it. Don't look at it as like, I have to get minimum wage out of this, or I have to get this amount of money out of this, or it's not worth it. Because you'll just end up grinding yourself into the ground. You won't have a good time. You'll have, you'll feel like it's a waste of time, especially if you've been spending a lot of time on it. Um, and it's just not going to be a fun experience at the end of the day. So so TLDR, please don't <laughs> be too hard on yourself. Just try to try to enjoy yeah your activities it's a hobby it's it's not a job yeah and And if you if you want to like if you can't take ben's word for it uh that's actually (laughs) words that have actually came to me uh when i casted the t1 championship uh when i casted that they uh unfortunately uh the first one uh had a lot of issues uh i don't know if anybody here watched it or whatnot uh, but it did have a fair share of production issues. Uh, there were a couple issues that went on inside of it that I'm not going to go into. Uh, but one of my favorite things, my favorite moment from it was I did get to go out there. I had a actually pretty good reception to myself. But the my favorite thing was uh, Captain Flowers actually was jumping into uh, Compete League, who was organizing the event. Uh, he was actually jumping in and out of our team speak. And I never got to speak to the guy. I still haven't spoken to the guy to this day. Uh, but when I came in and I went into my first broadcast, I was so freaking nervous. This was within my first year of casting, and I'm casting in front of 300,000 people. It's really a, just a nutty thing to think about. So I was inside of my own head. And, of course, I was the last block of casters, so I had the last four hours. So I got to see some of my uh, really good friends that I really respect and whatnot got tore apart by uh twitch chat and i was just like oh this is gonna be terrible <laughs> come after finishing game one and i came back and the owner of completely turned around and said yo captain flowers came in here and was just like gave you nothing but compliments saying like dude this guy's here he's having fun with everything that's going on this is exactly what needs to happen like the fact that captain flowers 
even was in like a, a our team speak trying to help out with everything and then that was like feedback that i got when i came out of my first cast it just made me set and it's been words that i've always gone by so definitely just put the emphasis on like if you don't have fun with it it's automatically like people will tell that your your heart isn't there that's uh to jump off to jump off that uh and to kind of tie into what ben was saying it's understanding what you're trying to get out of it that mm-hmm. that is something that i think is setting your expectation um is mm. so so important something that i have found really useful is called the frustration equation <laughs> um <laughs> which is which is your ex- like it's your expectation and you subtract reality and what you're left over with is your frustration yeah. so uh you get, there's an article on it you can go look it up but that has been like so helpful to me because if you're going into it going i'm going to be the greatest shoutcaster there is i'm going to do this and i'm going to make it a job and i'm going to do all that okay that's your expectation if you go into reality and go, but I like, you know, I'm just going to play a game or two and I'm not really going to put a lot of time into it or whatever. And then like you take that, you do the equation, you're left over with this frustration. You can take that and go, okay, well, I'm not actually putting in the time and effort. I'm not actually going towards this goal, this expectation that I want. However, if you go like, look, I just want to go in. I want to, I want to learn good fundamentals. I want to uh, go through and shout cast like, you know, one or two games and really like, build it from there i'm doing it to have fun i'm doing it to learn you can apply that to your reality as well it's just understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve and then setting the appropriate expectations uh, based off that i think is is another big supplemental point i would add to what you two have said i i think i've had very real experiences with that myself given that i work in finance i work in a very stable essential well-paid industry in general mm-hmm. And I've, that's what I went to uni for. I'm studying for my chartered accountancy qualification. Like I've invested time and money and years into this. And when I was at work and I started casting, um, I would take like, a, I'd use my overtime hours to leave an hour early from work to make sure I was there in time to set up and do all of that. And at one point in one of my uh, quarterly reviews at work, um, my line manager mentioned like, I see you've been doing a lot of the casting and you're like, taking time out to do that and like it's not negatively affecting your work or anything but just wanted to make sure that you're managing your expectations in terms of what casting will do for you when you are currently building what could be a very successful finance career Mm -hmm. and like not to tell you not to do it or anything but Mm -hmm. this is what you're doing right here is way more consistent and probably valuable i just want to make sure that you're dedicating your time correctly it was very like dancing Mm -hmm. around the issue i guess but (laughs) <laughs> I had to to kind of realize that very quickly because I really really love casting and I but you know my current position is very valuable and I've put time into mm-hmm. it as as I said so my expectations ended up settling at somewhere around I would like to cast a live event in person um and that would that would probably be currently my outside goal for casting because I don't want to as you say set my expectations all the way to the ceiling while also trying to work for this completely other yeah. career when so many people go headfirst deep 100% into the casting and they just don't get anywhere because it happens mm-hmm. like with all of you know careers of this type so I've had to yeah in real time had to deal with that exact like manage your expectations what do you want out of this keep it achievable and then mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more pleasant and a lot more uh feels a lot better to work for it and you know the goals you achieve are a lot more impressive <laughs> uh, the uh my professor also said it's like don't be realistic in your dream be realistic <laughs> in how you're gonna get there and i yeah. was like 
what does that even mean? And then like 10 <laughs> years later, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm at, I'm at Riot and I'm working and, and even, I mean, even as yeah. someone who has a, a game dev career, uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to get to that next level. I'm still identifying those frustration points um, mm -hmm. and going like, is this actually what I want to do? So uh, never think that it's like, it's just, I've decided and that's what's going to happen. And therefore it will propagate <laughs> to all time, right? Like it, it is a constant conversation with yourself because it may come down to a point where you're like, actually, I, I value casting more than what I would get yeah. out of this other career. And that that's fine, right? Like yeah. that's okay. It's just mm -hmm. make sure you. Uh oh. Well, that sure was an awkward place to yeah. off there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think critical advice, the pinnacle of the whole the whole thing, topped off and just cut right, right there. I think I think that by extension. Absolute nightmare. Yep. All right. Well, that was all it. The, I I I, I used sapped. it and then I'm done. Like that's yeah. it. We're, yeah. We'll never know what you said. Well, what I said. Sorry. And I think, I think it's better that way. You can fill in <laughs> you can fill in Larry's advice yeah. in your own head. It's quite yep. spiritual, leaving yep. it as a mystery at the end there, I think. <laughs> If you think you know what Larry was gonna say, write in <laughs> to devdivepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Right. <laughs> if you're correct, we'll host you on the next show. Um, by extension by extension of what what uh, everyone's been saying, the the main issue that a lot of people have with content creation and casting by extension um, is that it's not a it's not something that you can put in time, money, and effort and immediately see something come out of it. With a career, with a job, you can go in and you can put in time and money and effort. Well, hopefully not money, <laughs> but time and effort, and get something out of it almost immediately. You'll get money you'll get a career path you'll get something like this um and that's something that can be very very um eye-opening and very depressing for content creators where no matter how much effort and time you put into it there's no guarantee that you'll have a return or you'll have the return that you're looking for um and that's why it's so important to look at every like larry said manage your expectations for what you want to get out of this um and never never rely on something like this to be your all in all because there's no guarantee that you're going to get to whatever level um even if you took one of the best content creators or one of the best casters in the world and you put them at the base level there's no guarantee that they'd be able to get to where they are today in this current climate just based off what they're doing right now just because of how everything how the eco economy works and how the the environment for this stuff works it's so hard to be discovered um and it's yeah. it's there's no like not to ramble on about this, just because you're producing something very, very, very high quality doesn't immediately mean that you're going to be the next big thing or you're, you're not going to have 100% success with this. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put your best into the job because if you're not putting your best into it, there's no chance. Like To have any sort of chance, put your best into it. I, I actually love that you say that because I spend like, after every cast, I immediately go back and it's like, all right, how good was that cast? Where are my faults at? Where am I growing at? And like, my angle, of course, has always been like I want to. I love casting. Like casting is absolutely a, a passion, and it's something I want to keep with me for my future. So I'm constantly trying to find uh, big moments. Like uh, yesterday, I got a reminder that uh, it's been three years since I flew back home from that Calgary trip, where everything really started for me. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it's very interesting to always like look back and kind of think of growth because uh, I went from somebody who was uh, kind of grunty with my casting where uh, I would try to emphasize big moments like I was a WWE uh, commentator <laughs> or something like that. Like I would be like, oh, he's breaking his legs. Like, and then like I went over to like changing up my style, finding what my strengths are. I went to cast the Tyler One Championship, and I found out, oh, me just being comfortable and having fun is the best way for me to cast. And then growing off of that, and then here recently, uh, I've casted Collegiate. Uh, I've casted. Uh, I'm ca- casted for a Team Liquid Academy during this past season. Uh, there's been all sorts of things I can look back at and be like, there is a stable chain of growth. And it's something where I'm like, even though it's one of the hardest things to get into, the fact that I can continue to grow at the rate that I am and the end goal, of course, being of uh, to be professional at, as a caster and be able to make a living off of it and to be able to uh, make that be a reality, of course, uh, it also puts into perspective of what you want to do after that. So, like, it also mm-hmm. does that. Like, I love the fact earlier on inside of this, we talked about um, who's going to be the next Riot Freak or who's going to be the next. And it also brings into that perspective of, like, for me personally, I don't want to be any of those guys because all those guys are freaking awesome. Like, every mm-hmm. single one of the casters are freaking amazing. Even the ones that don't really cast anymore inside of, like, the League of Legends realm. I still greatly respect because they they did it and they had their own brand that was recognizable and it was them. Uh, I want to be the the biggest uh, the the greatest travesty out there, you know. Like, that's what I want to be, and I, it's one of those uh, it's one of those things I definitely have to carry with myself. And because that's my long term, I always see myself growing to the point where it's like uh, I casted for uh, another organization the other day and. Like going back through the Twitch chat because I love reading the Twitch chat whenever I cast. Uh, seeing somebody go back through one of my fights and just so, yo, how many words per minute was that? And I was like, hey, look, 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 I've gone from auctioneer to rap god. All right, I'm taking it. <laughs> but it, 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 personal growth being like the 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 medium for me to like continue to grow like that and whatnot, it makes it so much comfortable for me to be like yeah i of, of course i'm at a position where i do need to work a full-time job i need something that pays the bills consistently i need that consistent footing uh but at the same time if i focus on improving myself and whatnot uh, if i keep that grind up if i still have that same passion and love for league of legends uh for casting in general then or and for entertaining people in general it's just it's a phenomenal thing because it does spur you on forward to constantly grow like that yeah i i really sorry go ahead go no no go ahead i i really uh identify with what you said about reading the twitch chat back after your casts um <laughs> literally when i when i when i finish a cast i go into you know i come off mic i go into the staff channel five ten minute debrief log off the vod goes up on the second monitor straight away play back <laughs> from the beginning not even a hesitation like i want to listen to back and i like i want to hear i want to hear what was good or what was bad and then you see that one person in the Twitch chat, it's like, man, this cast is so good. Or that was really hype. And that's just, oh, it's so good. It's such a great feeling. And one of the specifically good things about amateur leagues is the players love to be casted because they watch the LCS and the LEC streams. They want to be that. They want their big play to get shout casted over. And you can do that for them. And then 
you know, you get messages after games from players like, oh, I love the cast today. Thanks for the kind words. Or really, this play wasn't all that. Or this is what I was thinking. And it's so genuine, I mm-hmm. think, yeah. from them, that the enjoyment they get out of it. And besides also enjoying hearing the sound of my own voice at least a little bit <laughs> on a cast, there's a little bit of that there. I can't deny but like I like watching myself be professional and good at casting, but also just the players expressing that gratitude for giving them like the praise and the the spotlight that they want, and it's it's really it's really nice, really it's really yeah. Like I said, it's really genuine. I think the enjoyment they get. I and think that's that the highlights up. a really good. Oh, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> no, 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 you ahead, already ben. got. <laughs> yeah, you already got. I already trampled. You got off all once, all right, man. <laughs> all right. All right, we'll see. We'll see if Discord kicks me out before I finish what yeah. I said. So, I think that really highlights the two points, right? Like, um, you know, CJ, you're talking about this is what I do to get motivated, and that's what I want, right? This is like you have your career, you've you've accepted. Uh, that sounds bad. Like you you know what you're doing. Like you you, yeah. you got it on lockdown, and now you're going okay. This is what I do, and this is how I um, identify that I've been doing a good job, right? Like mm-hmm. you you've set that down. And with travesty, it's, okay, cool. I have my goal, right? I'm doing this now, but I want to get better. And this is how I get better. And this is how I know I'm getting better, right? It 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 really highlights, um, one, a healthy approach, but with two, like in the same realm, but with two very different uh, goals at the end. So that's really cool. It's I just, mm. just to highlight out, that's really cool to see. And it's really cool to hear uh, from both of you. It's a good example. And I just want to quickly bounce off of what CJ said about um, the the players generally enjoying being casted because it's always fun. It's a it's a fun environment for everyone to be in this amateur league and have like people casting you like you're playing LCS or playing like a real tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the leg up that casting does have over other forms of content creation. You'll always have a baseline of people who are interested in in what you do because they're physically a part of it. You always have people who are like, oh, I'm actually playing in this tournament i'm going to be interested in watching what's going on um and that's like you have a baseline of people and for how growing online works that baseline can help you dramatically reach a higher and higher level because you have people who are like man if you're friends with a a, a large on- online content creator and they'll be like i'm going to be hosting a esports tournament um for some of my fans do you know anyone who might be able to host it with me and because you have those connections with those people, they can say, hey, this guy's actually pretty damn good at what he does. Bring him in. And then all of a sudden, you're reaching this whole other group of people mm-hmm. who are completely unrelated to what you've been doing. And it's just, it's a web of, of connections and you will have your name out there, um, which is why I think casting is like such an awesome opportunity for for people because it's not, you're not starting at the very, very, very bottom when you're doing something like this. You You have that, one small step up above other people, which can be the most important thing when you have literally millions of people on the very, very, very bottom trying to get there. Um, okay. Trav, I think you were going to say something, but if I cut you off, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm just, I'm enjoying myself here. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we have anything else that we wanted to talk about, about casting in general, or do we want to move on to tangential game news hit me with the news right i want the news give me the news man <laughs> so this is something i think we talked about was it two weeks it was two episodes ago um and i think i think we have 
a lot of responsibility for this topic going out there. It's definitely because of what we covered that this is now a big thing in the news, <laughs> not because of anything else. Yeah. Um, toxicity in League. Oh, boy. Uh, if you guys, to date this show a little bit, if you guys have been on the internet for the past couple of days, you may have seen a eight-minute video by Void Boy um, titled something like Toxicity or The Problem with Solo Queue or something like that. Yeah. Um, and in that video, he went over his personal experiences with League of Legends currently and the problems he had with uh, the competitive integrity of the game and the toxicity, inherent toxicity in the sort of field that he's in. And it has sparked a massive online discussion about why League of Legends is so toxic, if it's Riot's fault, if it's the player base's fault, if it's content creators' fault. Um, and it's something that we talked about probably 30 or so minutes on episode 8, but I think we can probably branch off a little bit more because now that we have a little bit more context to talk about. Um, so uh, we'll start with you, Trav. What do you think about toxicity in League? Do you think it's... Do you think that there's a source of it and what do you think the, the solution for it is? That's that's such a loaded thing. Uh, <laughs> it's such Let's a loaded question. Fix the problem, like... Travis. You got thirty seconds. Yeah, fix it. <laughs> fix it. We got we got all of the rioters in the chat right now, waiting for you to solve toxicity so they can implement it in the game. Yeah, yeah. I've got it's, a notepad right here. It's, it's a weird thing to do because there's so many different things that contribute to it. Um, uh, you you touched on content creation. There's of course the toxicity that is bred from. The uh, the clickbait video that every content creator wants, where I went twenty and zero on nerf Kali, please nerf Riot. <laughs> like, there's always like going to be that type of content that's going to go out there because no matter what, that farms clicks. Even if the content itself isn't the most phenomenal, as long as you're telling the truth about what's in the video in the thumbnail, and then it's also got that title on there, people are going to click on it no matter what to see exactly what's happened. Um, that spurs people to be uh, of a higher elo that get a smurf account and then they do proceed to go into either a uh, a low elo game or they invite a bunch of uh, subscribers or something like that into an in-house and then they just they play the in-house and then they're like oh check this in-house out <laughs> uh they don't call it the in-house because it's not important for people to click on it but that becomes a little bit of it because it makes people uh, go into different things with different mindsets where like, uh, oh, this person did it. So obviously I can. He did it in silver. I can do yeah. that easily. You know, first time. Um, that think... leads into a bit of frustration amongst players too and leads into an interesting scenario. While also toxicity, it's just something that's always been a topic with League. But I came from playing professional Call of Duty which is uh, <laughs> people literally stand up out of their chair and yeah. I'm not going to use the words they use, but they're literally like at live events, just like stand up and be like, Oh, you suck so bad. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Like in live events, people are like standing up out of their chairs, yeah. literally getting ready to teabag you. If you die, like if you lose that round, you're never going to be able to live it down at that live event. You got to go to your hotel room right after and go cry in the shower after they're done with you. Uh, but League of Legends has that stigma, and it's just, I don't know, it's its a very weird thing, because especially here, I'd say the past two seasons, uh, Solo Queue has felt worse, and it has felt uh, a little misportioned. It feels like uh, sometimes it becomes a bit weird uh, in terms of, like, I can be doing fantastic and all this other stuff, and then it's just like I get hit by, like, a streak of bad uh yesterday i actually played a game where uh my jungler invaded level four and then immediately ran to mid lane 
and smited every cannon, uh, wouldn't let me, and then he fed kills to the Talon that I was beaten. Just in case that Talon's watching, you were losing to me, by the way. You were talking to me, trash to me in all chat. I know you're watching this, but uh, <laughs> it was it was one of those things. I couldn't even farm jungle camps. The Graves would be like, all right, he's, he's gone over the jungle camps. Now I'm going to farm the jungle camps he's trying to farm. And I've never actually experienced a consistent level of toxicity like that inside of League until as of recent, and I don't know if it's because of Corona or anything like that, but it's weird. I don't know a way to fix it. Like, oh, I know everybody's answer is bring back the tribunal. Oh, well, I mean, the tribunal <laughs> went away for a reason. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not a game dev. I don't know exactly what would fit it, and neither are the people calling for that. There's obviously a reason why they switched to a different system. There's obviously a reason for uh, different things that have happened. But a lot of people are so quick to point the finger because they're like, that worked 10 years ago. Go back to it. And it's like, that, that probably doesn't work anymore. That, that The whole point to finger at somebody and say, this person entered me system probably doesn't work as well anymore. And because I'm just, I, I'm, I just yell at video games all the time. I don't know what the best way to fit toxicity is because it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a part of the game. Yeah, there's no, there's no perfect solution. There's a solution out there. There's plenty of solutions, but none of them are going to ever be perfect, and none of them are going to satisfy everybody. I want to yell real quickly. I want to yell about the tribunal just for 20 seconds because all of you <laughs> out there... Get your soapbox. Go ahead. It's get your soapbox out. Yeah, all, right. all of you out there who are like, oh my god, why did they bring back the tribunal? It was the best thing ever. So there's so many different files with the tribunal. First of all, Tribunal was shut down in late to, or early 2014. That is almost six, seven years ago now. The player base of League of Legends back then was so much smaller than it is now that it just doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. Back then, they had a six-month backlog of cases. You would be reviewing games from over six months ago on that size player base. Do you know what it would be like today? It'd be years. You, a, one day of the Tribunal being up... You would have so many games coming into the tribunal that you wouldn't be able to deal with them. And then there's, okay. Could you imagine that world where you haven't played League in like a year and then all of a sudden you got a random email? Hey, you've been banned. Like, (laughs) yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. What? Okay. Can you, you, like, not even just that. Can you imagine being the, uh, the poor soul that's just like, yes, I'm going to go have to, I have to look through all these logs and whatnot like your day-to-day job is to just look at report logs <laughs> like yeah. every single moment of your day is like i need to check and see what this person said six months ago is that worth a ban all right we're banning them. <laughs> and that's I, i'm pretty sure if i was in that position i would just hit the ban button over and over again <laughs> exactly no, no 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 this is exactly what happened they released data when when the tribunal was shut down they released data that that overwhelming majority of people weren't weren't reading chat logs they weren't reading anything they would go to the tribunal click punish a bunch of times and since everyone was doing that they would be rewarded so the way the tribunal worked real quickly if you haven't been playing league for god knows how long we have um tribunal was a system where uh, players who were reported a certain amount of times their games would go to a website and any league player above honor level two or whatever it was back in the day could go to this website and read these case reviews and they could vote to either punish the player or pardon the player or something similar to that. Um, and if you, every case that you got correctly judged, you got like a small amount of IP, uh, which is blue essence from back in the day. So what was happening was people would go into the tribunal 
and they would just click punish a bunch because everyone who goes into the tribunal is mad. They're just upset that somebody ruined their game. So they just want to they want to get vengeance. Yeah, they want to get vengeance. So they're just banning people over and over again. And since everyone was doing that, they were getting correct responses because they were correctly assessing that the person needed to be banned. So it was just it was a, a circle where these angry people would go in. They just had a troll in their game. They're upset. They go in. They ban a bunch of people. They get validated that their bans were correct, even though they didn't, even if they didn't deserve to be banned in the first place. And it was just a, a, a never-ending cycle of awful. Not this can't work. It doesn't work. Stop trying to bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's my angry tribunal rant. Uh, continue. How toxic the community is, and how everybody's complaining about how toxic it is. And imagine a tribunal with what Ben just said. It would yeah. be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> my my thing with with uh toxicity is one of the for me one of the reasons why it's so hard to really find as travesty put a good solution that doesn't trample on the good stuff that you want right uh in a game um is define it define it for me what is toxicity what is toxic behavior and it it is you you run it you run into this point where it's like it's too specific that like it's not really it's not really tenable like it's not you know sustainable and it's too broad that it can be easily you know it can be easily abused right um and that's such a difficult that's such a difficult thing uh to to solve for because you're like okay we have to solve for this thing what is it <laughs> you know like define it for me i don't even think defining it's the problem because i think you can easily define it uh, at least I'll I'll take a stab at it. I think toxicity as a definition could be intentionally making the game experience for other players worse. Um and I think that would be a pretty a pretty broad de- I mean it's a broad definition, but I think that's pretty accurate. The problem is um locating it. Locating it correctly because intentionally making the game experience worse for other players can mean anything. It can mean intentionally feeding, it can mean being a jerk in chat. It can mean going to somebody's lane and smiting their cannon minions away when they're beating a talon. Just a totally <laughs> random example that never actually happened. Yeah, never been used. I've never, <laughs> never heard about it. Yeah, that's so that's, that's oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> so so finding like finding correctly finding it at scale. Like you could probably go into a game and watch a replay and be like, oh yeah, that guy's toxic. But you can't do that for ten million games a day. Even if you hired a billion people, there it's it just doesn't work. So you have to figure out how to identify toxicity with this large remote system um, effectively. And, and I'm sure it, Riot's, yeah. yes, Riot's been struggling with that for a long time. Um, and I think it's, the community gets a little upset because they're like, oh, you can int a game so hard, but if you say a mean thing in chat, you're going to get banned. I'm like, yeah, of course, well, that's the easiest duh. thing to quantify. <laughs> A computer can't yeah. tell if you're just having a bad game, but they can tell if you say yeah. the N-word, or you can tell if they they call yeah. their enemy. Yeah. yeah. It's stupid. Bad things. I, I, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's it always feels bad, too, because going back to the idea of the tribunal, I think what people want is to feel some sort of agency, right? Like, they want yeah. to know that what they're doing matters. So if I tell you, go report them, but you have no confidence that if you report them, something's going to be done, you don't feel like like even if it's just a click of a button, right? Like it's like why why even bother, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's part of why people call for the tribunals because they felt like what they were doing mattered. And I think mm-hmm. that is that is an element that that is missing. Um, I mean, I've 
I've reported plenty of people, and I think I've only ever seen once where it's like, congratulations, the person that you reported a while ago, like, got banned. Like, keep it up. And I'm like, that was like once in like three or four years, and my average is horrible then. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that uh, when I was doing admin for amateur leagues way back at the beginning for Compete League European, um, that sense of agency was very clear and it was one of the main problems that the player base in that tournament specifically just in this little microcosm had with the management at that point was that there it's a rank restricted league which is always gonna be peppered with smurfing allegations always you can't avoid it you can't avoid it beat me Um, yeah (laughs) you cannot nobody is ready for the lengths that players will go to to cheat in a no prize pool for fun league never underestimate how hard players will try to cheat in leagues like that is my experience but the point is that the players wanted to be the ones saying this guy's a smurf i i look at his op.gg i've grafted out here's his cs diff and you see like uh six months ago his flash was on a different key and you see in this game he did this that he didn't build the same items he built on the champion last time in this game he's a smurf and they they wanted to be able to submit like accusations to the staff and the staff's position was no we will handle it we have our own system of finding it no we're not going to tell you what it is because then you'll just find a way around it you will that's gonna happen and this disparity between the management being like please just let us deal with it let us do our job you're not helping and you're just inflaming irritation at us and the player's been like, no, you're not doing a good enough job because there was a smurf in this game. And I know it was because I have this, that, and the other. And it's, it, it definitely does play into it. The, uh, yeah, the, the agency of being able to say, I found a smurf. I got him banned. I knew it all along, you know? <laughs> I think you hit it's, the nail the... exactly on the head with what you were saying about you can't tell people what you're doing to combat this because then they'll just find a way around <laughs> yeah. it. That's yeah, I know just, for a mm-hmm. fact that that's what yeah. Riot's struggling with. They they know they're they have yeah. this system in place for dealing with toxicity, but they yeah. cannot release like the exact definitions of toxicity or the exact definitions of that they're using because then people will literally have quantifiable information. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah. I can be toxic in four games before I get banned, so I'm just going to be toxic in yeah. three games and then switch to my eight alts. Um, <laughs> it's it, just it, it actually <laughs> it comes into play when you mentioned like about oh this person is inting my game. One of the most common things that you'll hear a streamer say, a higher level streamer, is this guy was soft inting my game. He wasn't mm-hmm. hard inting it. That's why he's soft inting my game. Obviously, look at this replay. Look at how he plays this fight badly. He's doing it on purpose. He's soft inting my game, which I have never once seen a clip of a soft inter that is any kind of conclusive or any way different to a player making a bad play in my experience and that kind of very fine blurred line which streamers who are streaming the game eight ten hours a day in front of a horde of twitch chatters getting this uncomfortable unpleasant solo queue experience i think are very become very jaded not misunderstandably at all like they have a good reason to become jaded in this environment but it becomes very much like this guy's trying to ruin my game. I know he is. Everybody is. It's just a nightmare. And then, you know, you have the video like Boy Boy sent out where it just it's full of these people. They're soft inting, they're AFKing, they're briefing on stream. And I think that it's become very hard to tell what's a legitimate 
accusation and what is just frustration at this point. And I think it's reasonable to say that and it's reasonable for that to happen. I wouldn't begrudge any of them, as I say, to get a little bit, you know, crispy, bog, bog, yeah. to get a bit bogged down trying to tell who is inting and who's not when it's just a constant stream, you know, in their eyes when they're doing it day in, day out. I haven't actually watched. I, I knew that the video came out, but I didn't. I haven't actually watched the Voy Boy uh, mm-hmm. video. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's worth a watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's fairly nice fair about it. Point. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that the other part that I guess I wanted to touch on for this is that the cause. I guess that most people can't work out the cause of it. And for me, for his scenario, for the high elo scenario, um. I think it is mostly Twitch streamer culture that has developed yeah. this. Um, it's the fact that they're streaming every day, and these people who become hugely famous Twitch streamers, a lot of them, uh, either they used to act like this, see, see Tyler One, or they saw Tyler One and they wanted to emulate him. They become big streamers, and then the Twitch chat want to emulate them. And the, I think Tyler One was the explosion of this, like um kind of oh my god he can just say that i can't believe that tyler one actually has a list of people that he ints on purpose that's crazy i could never do that that is so entertaining that a human being is actually just doing that on stream like that's crazy and then they laugh at it and you know the farm and the lol w's all day and it kind of normalizes the behavior and like you say the stream is going to branch out and this the the attitude that it's hilarious to see people do that because it's so crazy. It's so crazy that anyone would do that. And then they want to yeah. do it and they want to get the reaction. They want to see Boy Boy rage on stream when they in his game and then donate like LolXD, get wrecked, get into it, you know? And that's, uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to also touch on your point too, because you talked about high elo. It also is, comes back to the point that competitiveness breeds toxicity in its own way. Uh, once you get to a certain skill base, you get to a point where you want to win so bad no matter what that every loss is frustrating. And in a team-based game and whatnot, it's actually very easy for your uh, will to win uh, turn into toxicity. And it's yeah. you talked about it in high elo with the streamers. It, it, it's the streamer culture mixing together with people that are actually trying to make their nets break or try to uh find their way to become something because what's the number one thing any twitch streamer will tell you to become big in league of legends oh get get challenger well you got a bunch of people on diamond that are playing along with the streamer and they're like i want to win so bad but i i just i just i can't because of this one guy on the other side of the map and it's just it it breeds like competitiveness will always breed toxicity and that's not just a league of legends thing that is every single game that has a competitive scene if there is competition to be had there will be some form of toxicity and league of legends just so happens to be the biggest game out there so it has to deal with the toxicity i think it's also um the level of accessibility that these people have to their um audience because previously the people who are famous are celebrities and you have a very, very, very low chance of ever meeting a celebrity in real life or interacting with them on any level. But a Twitch streamer, you will interact with them almost daily. Like they'll read your chats. They'll see you in game, blah, 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 blah. Um, if you get into a game with, with a Twitch streamer and you just play fairly well, amateur well, and you do, and you win the game, nothing happens. He's like, Oh, that's a good game. I played really well. We on to the next game. If you get into that game with the Twitch streamer and you just make his experience a living hell, he will not stop talking about it. 
oh, and you're going to be gosh. that center of attention for yeah. the Twitch streamer for <laughs> 10 minutes, for 30 minutes, which yeah. if you're a very sad, angry person can be all very good. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like this loop, this, and I'm going to get, I've used this word so much, a negative feedback loop of people who are ruining experience for games and the streamers who are focusing on that ruined experience. And they're like, oh my God, this is such a pain in the ass, blah, 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 blah. I can't believe this guy's inting me over and over again. He's still not banned, blah, blah, blah. That guy has no incentive to stop doing this um, because you are giving him the attention that he wants, that he craves over and over. And, and anyone else who has problems with that will see that experience and be like, man, boy, boy really hates when people do this. I bet I can make him even angrier and then go into this, blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's so depressing, but that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why it happens so often where people are targeted, these streamers are targeted. And it's not really the streamer's fault, per se, where they're not doing anything particularly wrong. I mean, there's other ways to look at it. But they could definitely do better in terms of how to prevent it. Um, The other way of looking at it is when streamers do foster this toxic environment and then they share that toxicity with their viewers and the viewers want to imitate it. Where somebody will say, oh my god, this guy's garbage trash. He doesn't deserve it. He bought a boosted account. He bought his account on eBay. He his 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 her her boyfriend's boosting him. Blah 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 blah. Um, they'll just yell this random stuff about anyone having a bad game, and anyone who's watching them will be like, "Man, if if Tyler One does that, or if I Will Dominate does that, I want to do that too because I'm 16 years old and I'm very upset, and I'm the best person to ever play League of Legends ever, and everyone else in my game is art garbage, <laughs> and that's the reason why I'm not challenger." Sorry, that's that's a bit of a rant. <laughs> it's it's like the the dark mirror of the agency argument for people who want to have agency in solving the problem, and some people just want to have agency in in anything. They just want to be the person who affects the stream for half an hour. They've watched Voivoy's 10k stream, and they're like, "I'm affecting that stream now. I'm doing something. I'm doing something <laughs> with my day. You know, yeah. I'm not just losing a game of League of Legends. I'm like getting ten thousand people laughing in Twitch chat." You know, it's. I think they just just want to feel something. You know, there's yeah. uh, they want that spotlight. There's yeah. There's um, uh, Bo Burnham, uh, make happy the the comedian. It's my favorite uh, comedian ever, dude. Uh, I loved it because it blew my mind when he talked about social media and like the his whole like at the end of the his skit kind of coming down to a point. And he said something, um, that was that's always stuck with me. It's if you can live your life without an audience, you should, right? And that has changed my entire outlook on social media and why I do things. Because, and even to, like, oddly enough, to go back to what we were talking about with um, content creators and making your mark and stuff like that, it's if you if you go out there and you do something just to get someone else's attention, is it worth it? And then what happens if? All you put on yourself is I'm only as I'm only worth as much as the attention that I get. Hmm. Like, what kind of effect does that have on you, right? As a person, as an individual, your action, your outlook. So I I I honestly believe that there is you know a larger cultural issue at at play. Um, but then yeah. like if you you slowly like someone said microcosm, you start like edging them and see how these things line up. Uh, I think that. I think that that idea of wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard um, 
is very valid and is very real. It's now just trying to find, in my opinion, it's trying to find a way to promote the positive aspects of that instead of, you know, the dark and easy path <laughs> of that argument. Definitely. I don't know. I, I feel like we could probably talk for 10 years about this subject and I'm, never really I'm get I'm pretty it. sure we could talk for hours about yeah. this. Easily. Easily. <laughs> I've got plenty of it. Yeah, let me pull up my logs. Hold up. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I actually just did. Oh, just, just to let you know, like, it wasn't a toxic game, but it. Uh, no, I'll say it was toxic. Like, <laughs> it, tilted me off, it tilted me off the face of the earth. Um, this one game and it was so bad too or it was so sad because they weren't trying to be toxic um, but I hate a specific League of Legends character a, a League of Legends champion because of one game that happened two years ago. I mean absolutely every time I see them in in champ selector uh, like in the loading screen I automatically just I'm like fuck this game right like I, I like I have such a visceral reaction to it and unfortunately again to that point it's that that's a mark you you have you have it, the person who was on the other end of that impacted my life in a way that will never be forgotten <laughs> but live forever in your memory yeah exactly <laughs> in my in my visceral gut reactions to, to, to this champion <laughs> so I feel like so yes, I've been years. there for so many, for years. <laughs> so many different champions on the other side of the, the thing. Like when I'm playing jungle and I see like a Shaco or an Ivern or something and I'm like, I know I'm going to get counter jungled and I'm going to get invaded at level three and I know my top laner is not going to come down and help me. I'm just like, oh my God, do I even want to play? <laughs> and then they get mad at me. <laughs> so so to one last thing about toxicity and then we'll move on to something else. Um, I was actually streaming yesterday and I was playing a game of League of Legends, which was very surprising to me. Um, it was a game where we were losing very hard early and I was playing jungle and of course the rest of the team was, and this is a junglish perspective, the rest of the team was blaming me. They're like, oh my god, this jungle can't do anything. I was getting invaded, blah 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 blah. Um, it was a game where I was just not having fun, not having a great time. Um, and I'm just like, this is why toxicity is a thing in League and I could feel myself like succumbing to it i had the ergot coming down to my jungle and like taking my camps and like just for 10 seconds i went up to his lane and i took his camp <laughs> i took his minions <laughs> while he was there and i'm like okay i don't want to be that person <laughs> but just like for 10 seconds i i i, I fell into it you and I'm just like, the dark side. <laughs> yeah i fell into the dark side and i'm like okay the funny thing about that game was we actually came back and won that game very hard um we had 100% objective control. I stole the Baron with an Olaf axe. It was like, it was a good game. Um, and after the game, like, the whole team's like, yay, good job, team, blah, 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 blah. And like, I'm like, good job, bot lane, good job, mid lane. And then top lane's like, what about me? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, okay, I could definitely see why some people have this like level of reaction on, on a daily basis because that was like after two games of league so if you're playing like 25 yeah. games of league a day or something like that yeah like oh it was okay. it was an eye-opening reaction to me you just reminded yeah. me okay just this is my soapbox if you if anyone anyone out there uses this argument as to why they shouldn't have been banned because they're a good player like think about this because I heard this on a video once, and it it tilted me hearing it. It's like 
being banned after being a good player for having one bad, like, toxic game, it's like, if I had saved a hundred people, and then one day I just killed one person. <laughs> and I'm like, think about what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter how many people you saved. You could have been... The the <laughs> right? I'm like it doesn't that's just what? so anyone who that's ever just an hears ethical this, question just... isn't it that's like the that's like the train that's like the train thing if you could pull the lever and kill one person or 10 people yeah. which yeah, one's right. better it's just i'm just like just don't don't use that argument because i could yeah. see it coming too it's like it's if i had saved 100 people before and i'm like don't say it <laughs> don't you fucking say you it. Can see his then brain like falling yeah. down the well. That is that <laughs> like, process. That that argument doesn't work. It does not hold water. No. Okay. End rant. That's that's my soapbox. Yeah. All right. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Does anyone else have anything to say about toxicity before we move on? All right. <laughs> moving on to a much a much, <laughs> a much lighter topic that I won't get me. I won't get me wrong those of you who've been following Halo coming to PC will be glad to know that Halo 2 Master Chief Collection, aka Halo 2 Remastered, is coming to PC May 12th, so in less than a week. Um, probably one of the best Halo games of all time. I'm really happy that, that uh, Microsoft has finally gotten around to porting these games to PC. Uh, there was actually a Halo 2 port when it first came out a very, very long time ago, but it wasn't very good. It was kind of buggy. Thrower, right? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't great. Um, yeah. So we're getting Halo 2 finally. I think Halo 3 is next, and then Halo 3 ODST, and then Halo 4 I don't think is actually coming. I don't know if Halo 4 is coming or not, but um, good on... Uh, what's the studio that does the Halo now? Uh, uh, 343. Yeah, 343. Good on 343 yeah, for yeah. finally getting around to doing this. Um, and if, you buy the Master Chief, if you buy the Master Chief Edition, you get all the other ones, right? Like it's Yes, it's, yes you get all of them as yeah. they're releasing. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm you definitely jumping them, in. You can buy them individually too. Like I think I just bought Reach oh, okay. when it came out. Um, oh, okay. Instead I, of buying the I whole think thing, I buy the Master Chief. but it's only yeah, like, it's they're only like ten dollars a piece. Yeah, it's yeah. cheaper to do the Master Chief collection as a okay. whole. But yeah, yeah. It's only like ten dollars a piece. I think. <laughs> Not gonna lie, just, OD, ODST was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, ODST was sick. I love, sick. I love ODST. <laughs> Anyways. I'm excited yeah, for it. I, I had a friend in high school who was the exact same. It was just like the main Halo game that he started on and he's yeah. got the, the love for it. Yeah. I played a lot of Halo it. 2 co-op with my brothers growing up, so that's going to be fun to go back and um, yeah. revisit that. Halo Odyssey that's is like a great game, at. but it doesn't have like the same nostalgia that I had with Halo 1 and 2. Because um, that was just like, the mom went out for whatever and, Dave, and my older brother David would come into the room and he'd be like, Let's play Halo, <laughs> and I'm like, "Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah!" It was great. It was a good time. Yeah, mine was Halo Reach actually, so I was really happy when they put it on PC because I was like, "Yes, yeah. finally, I get to play yeah. through Reach again." But uh, Halo Two is really fun for me. Uh, I have a soft spot of uh, of loving that game because me and my brother we co-op that game so many countless times. Um, it's also one of the most rage-inducing games. Because the <laughs> playing that game on Legendary is the stupidest experience ever. Because it's just, if you do not play it with a co-op person, 
you are getting headshotted over and 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 over again by the same jackal off of checkpoint every single time you get into the second level and there's this one stupid jackal on the other side of the map you don't have a sniper you don't have any long range weapons or anything and it's just like i'm gonna make your day miserable and your checkpoint is right here it's so infuriating to have to deal with but i love the game it's a good game yeah it's yeah, a good yeah. game. Just legendary. Uh, get a friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. Word, word, word. <laughs> word, word, word. That's right. <laughs> Didn't have much to say about that. I was just happy that Halo 2 is coming. I don't know. We're just excited. I think the group <laughs> gonna, I think the gaming group, uh, Ben and I game group, game with, um, I think they're picking it up. I think everyone got really excited when they announced Halo 2. So, yeah. Like, I think Halo 2 was the first game that you can go in and play with friends pretty easily. I'm going to ask a quick question to everybody here real quick then. Since everybody here has their hands dabbled in some form of content and whatnot, what was the first thing of content for you guys then that kind of got you guys into liking like non-conventional content? Because for me, it was Red versus Blue. And that was all Burke with Halo. So that was was my original, that was my OG like, dude, I love this. This is fantastic. And I just got addicted to it. I would, I, I yelled out quotes at school and nobody understood when I said there was a spider. Like it was <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And I love Red versus Blue with such a fiery passion. And I just think about it and it's just like, that's what got me into the non-conventional content that we have that's so much more prevalent these days. There was a series way back in the day called HMVH, which was Halo Music Video Hell. That my brother and I watched oh, a lot. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> uh, it was basically yeah. just like really short clips of Halo, um, overlaid on Set songs. Song. Yeah, yeah, and they'd be like acting out the song, machinima style. And it wasn't like they weren't great videos, but it was a lot of fun watching them. And when you're a kid, that's like you'll like latch onto that. And me and my brother would like just watch those over and over and over again. And then like Travis had Red versus Woo was something that everyone in my friend group growing up just loved watching. We'd quote it every single day. We'd play Halo, like, as the Red vs. Blue people, and we'd, like, act out scenes and stuff. It was just <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. Old content. What Can you remember what the first, like, the first series or, like, the first videos that you watched a lot of on YouTube were? Uh, Not on YouTube, but, like, weird like uh, like battlegrounds like the birth of the meme kind of generation uh yeah. yeah uh like uh homestar runner like that oh, was yeah. that was one that i would um there was a there was an old star wars one too that i i used to watch i forget what it was called though but i think that's the one that got me introduced to um non-traditional media and entertainment was the the star wars one I think I think I know which one is for me. I think for me it was the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny. Oh uh, my yeah. god! By Neil by Neil Fisiriga. I think yeah. that's the earliest I can remember as the original that YouTube guy. video. That was a banger, and he is still yeah, putting out little plug amazing music just yeah. all the time. He's that guy's so prevalent. Albums of like mashup stuff. Like a lot of some of it is like Mimi comedy stuff, but some of it is genuinely bangers. Uh, he has an album like, called yeah, Mouth Sounds or something like Mouth yeah, Mouth Mouth. mouth. <laughs> Mouth silence, mouth sounds, and mouth yeah. moods. Mouth moods, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah. one of my friends' groups just loves that. They'll play that all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's so, it's it so good. It's actually so good. The guy is a content machine. He's done so many different types of things, but I think that was the... I never knew like who he was. I just knew the video when I was younger, but I think that's the yeah. first 
the earliest instance I can see of just being like, what is this? What is, what is happening? It's cool, though, <laughs> because you don't have many instances of that where you'll see somebody who's made content 20 years ago now, if not more. Yeah. Um, and they're still doing stuff today. Like, you have the Rooster Teeth people. They're still making content, although in different forms. Yeah. You have people like Noshikara, or however you say his name. Um, but that's like, there's really not a lot of people who are really popular 10, 20 years ago who are still doing stuff today. You have like the really, yeah. really long-standing YouTubers who are going to be making videos until they die. But that's about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know about old content, but the new content that I've gotten into. I'm one of those millennials that Gen Z like to complain about on TikTok. No, Lord. <laughs> well, that was a lot of references I'm, in one go. I was going to say, I don't make any TikToks, but I watch them. I think they're hilarious. I feel like the yeah. people who like TikTok, there's like a, there's like a gap. Okay, so first of all, it's like ages four to like sixteen. That's the first level. <laughs> they love TikTok, and so then it skips from like it? it's like from from sixteen to like twenty six. They hate TikTok, <laughs> and then from twenty six to like forty, oh, they yeah. fucking love TikTok. Hilarious, yeah. For the longest time, I held out too, and I'm like, I know TikTok's the new thing, but whatever, it's a, I'll just let it be. Uh, And then quarantine happened, and then I'm like, I'm bored. I've read all of Twitter, literally all of Twitter. I've hit the bottom of Reddit. Uh, There's on YouTube, it's just you know whatever's there. And then I was like, fine, I'll I'll look at TikTok, and uh, I got sucked into it. It's basically new Vine. Like if you uh, if you liked Vine, yeah, I mean it is. All right, getting back on track. Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront. Old games. We love old games here on this show. Oh, yeah, we're privileged here, apparently. <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront is finally getting Steam multiplayer, which is something that I'm probably actually going to go download because Star Wars Battlefront had one map that I really, really liked, Geonosis. It had the little yes. tiny needle fighters. And I just loved, me and my brother would play split-screen Battlefront growing up, and he wasn't very good, don't tell him that. Um, <laughs> where I would just get into the fighters over and over again, and I'd just suicide bomb him, just run over and over and over again. And he'd get so frustrated that he wouldn't play, he wouldn't play with me anymore. <laughs> Remember we were talking about toxicity? <laughs> I started at a very young age. Playing multiplayer games with your brother is the starting point for all toxicity. That's true. I I think that it is really I don't know how difficult it is um for games or studios to to run like multiplayer for their old games. I think it's such a nice gesture to have and these people who can come back after 10 years and be like, "Man, this game was sick." And they can actually just jump on and play it and they'll put like 20 hours into it over a weekend if they get a really nostalgic game. And I guess I I just I don't know enough to say whether it's how much how much effort it takes for a studio to just put up an old battlefront server you know like is that much effort does it cost a lot or i mean it just seems like such a nice bit of pr at the very least yeah uh, so it really it really does depend to jump on the back end of that question like technology advances uh what what, what was compatible 10 years ago might not be compatible anymore uh they like there to, to give you an example there was um the old school nintendo games and like some of the old school pc games like ran off of the internal cpu like clock. Mm-hmm. So um that clock has progressively gotten faster. 
So if you try to run these old games, they'd run at like a hundred times speed. Like they, that's why you have to, yeah. Like you, like it's it because it was directly tied to certain aspects of hardware. Yeah. So like that's why backwards compatibility and then um, uh, upresing and like updates are are hard because uh, you have to go in and the engine might be different. The server the server might be different. Um, and and then even then, if you're like, okay, well. Uh, I want to take this rig and put it like and update the model. There's a lot that goes into that, even if it's a simple mm. up. So it really does depend on, at what level you're trying to do that in, um, and then just figuring it out. Like the actual implementation of hosting a server, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's everything that leads up to that 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 becomes more difficult. But I would say that the return on investment, especially if there's a big player base that still yeah. you know want like whenever they shut down the Halo Two. Um, Battlenet, uh, not Battlenet. Uh, the, yeah, like oh, yeah. The, like there was a server that like went on for like there was a game that went on for years that like yeah. you know would never let it die right like yeah I, I think that them coming back with Halo Two now it's going to be a, a big resurgence so yeah it just Maybe. depends maybe um you never know yeah I, so the battle battlefield has this I'll I'll just say this really quickly and we can I'll let you talk CJ um battlefield has this sort of uh, community that does this, where Battlefield games will live for maybe 10 years, if that, um, and then EA will shut them down. Um, the servers for them, at least. But the community will come back and they'll put up unofficial servers or unofficial versions of these games mm. um, and they'll still have players 20 years from now. Um, like Battlefield mm, 1, yeah. Battlefield 2, they're having, they have servers. I think there's one called like the Phoenix Network or something like that, where you can go and you can play with other people who are playing this 20 year old game every single day of their life or all the time. It's crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. and every game has this, like any popular multiplayer game from 20 years ago that has like a PC port, more than likely there's somebody out there running an unofficial server for it. I mean, exhibit a wow classic, like the, the origins of wow classic and just like people running these servers for so long and wanted to have them officialized for so long. And then eventually it worked out. And then the launch for wow classic was just, staggeringly huge that it broke it for weeks like that's the kind of the kind of how strongly players can hold these games in their hearts over decades yeah and wow classic is the perfect example for people who didn't play wow that that game just sucks to (laughs) no i'm joking (laughs) it's not very good (laughs) it's not it's terrible i tried to get in my friends were big wow heads like playing wow since 2004 or whatever it was um, yeah. they loved it. And they're like, well, come play, come play classic with me. Nighthawk, come play classic. I'm like, okay. And I spent the first four hours of me playing the game as a mage. And my entire enjoyment of the game was just conjuring water over and over again and just giving it to yeah. random people. They're like, I'm like, here, have some water. <laughs> that was the most fun I had in that game. It's just not very fun coming of, in. <laughs> the opposite of toxic Ben. That's generous. Yeah, that's ben. it. Yeah, giving people water, keeping them hydrated. What a bro! Yeah. Hydrated. <laughs> doing it yep, for the yep. gamers. I like it. <laughs> but also, the other thing I just wanted to jump in there is that's my first bit of actual game dev topic that I've had in two episodes. Now we actually touched on <laughs> some, hey. genuine, some live actual game dev. We got there after <laughs> three hours. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, should we rename the show? Because we're like not really talking about game dev a lot. But I'm like, nah, fuck it. Let's stay dev guy. We got we 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 looped it we'll back then. We got we'll, in there. Larry yeah, got something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Talking about we're gonna talk about two game dev things today because that's how good we Ooh. are. Uh oh. 
Um, the oh, new Lord. Assassin's Creed game, which has officially been announced, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, going to be set in mm. Viking times. Ooh, yay. Uh, I read an article that they have 15 different studios working on this game, which is a record even for Ubisoft. Um, I think Odyssey had seven studios working on it, which Ubisoft, if you don't know, they have studios all around the country, all around the world. There's like Ubisoft Red Storm, Ubisoft Montreal, Ubisoft Texas, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they all do like different little parts of the game and they patch it together, blah, 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 blah. That's just how their dev cycle works. But they have 15 studios working on this game. That's crazy. I, the level of coordination that they're going to have to have yeah. between all these different studios, like I'm sure Larry can chime in on this, like how much of a nightmare this would be for, for him. But like trying to coordinate 15 private, like individual groups of people to, to work on one game. Hope it's going to be good. It is similar to it. To me, it'd be similar to military, right? Military structure. And I think Ubisoft would be able to make it work because they've been doing it for years. Like you said, they have three major studios across the world um, and they will, They'll they'll pitch in on different projects and stuff like that. So they have they have a reputation or a background um, to do it. Now doing it with fifteen that's impressive. Um, but I would say that if their systems are set up properly, it's it it won't be too too different than just three. Because at that point or seven, right? Because at that point, uh, any kind of work that you're doing should at in that manner should be scalable. You should be able to add on more people. Um, or more inputs um, because you're already doing that with seven other studios. You know what I mean? But yes, it is a lot of communication, a lot of coordination, and leadership is going to be so freaking important um, in that because if you have 15 studios just kind of doing sort of in the same dirt, that, um, that gets so messy so quickly the further it goes on but if you can have like really good leadership and good infrastructure um having those 15 studios pulled together i i actually expect valhalla to be like massive like i like the the the, the reason you would put 15 studios together is either you want to get it done quicker or it is a huge project um yeah. so and if you haven't played odyssey which is their last Assassin's Creed game um, that game was actually really good. I was never really an Assassin's Creed fan, but Odyssey was was a lot of fun. It's a huge, like ridiculously large world. It's not as empty yeah. as as other like super big open world games are. There's a lot of like detail built into it, and it's like a cool star. Uh, it's a cool setup point. It's it's uh, mythological age like uh, Greece and Rome, where it'll be like uh, Aristotle, not Aristotle, um, whatever the Rome guy was. He was like philosopher. I don't know ancient ancient they Greece. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good, good history. No, I good. I, I don't. Good like stuff. They, they had a they had a couple, dude. I'm just saying. Yeah, Caligula. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> the famous philosopher. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good okay, game. We all know him. Yeah, yeah. That one guy. You know. I only have one thing about. to say about Valhalla. Okay, and this is my mm -hmm. soapbox moment. Okay. Okay. It's set in the UK. I'm from the Ooh. UK. Okay, I've, I've 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 done my history lessons at high school. Wait, Valhalla set in the UK, not not Norway. No. So the the as you can see the trailer the 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 setup is the evil English king <laughs> is mm -hmm. writing it's about how 
the the Vikings are gonna they're tearing the place apart and they're vicious animals and then it cuts the Vikings like skipping in the fields petting <laughs> dogs. Right? And like I just that's not what happened. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna come in here and defend the English monarchies from the medieval ages, not once. But the Vikings were not just chilling. They weren't just vibing in the fields, petting the wildlife. They were wreaking some devastation in Scotland, where I'm from. So, yeah. like, it was a little bit like, come on, guys. There's, like, there's a little bit of historical revisionism I, going I, on. In I, I get you want to have a protagonist, but, like, huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason that when I you think Vikings, like, okay. like, the first thing that comes to mind is rape and pillage. Yeah, like, that's, that's like, the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> but they cannot be the assassin Creed fucking recruiter and uh, underneath him he's got on his booth he's just got the yeah. moto yeah <laughs> but the trailer was sick as hell so i mean yeah. maybe it's all right yeah. well maybe Looking maybe we'll maybe there's uh some maybe there's some storyline in like yeah. where are we the baddies yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i'm actually interested in this game because i'm kind of like ben where i actually uh assassin's creed has always been like the most overrated series for me personally <laughs> I, I get really freaking bored yeah. i tried playing assassin's creed one and i was like what's so enjoyable about jumping off this building and staying in a group of priests while they walk around the combat's bad i don't like any of this <laughs> like nothing is the story is mediocre yeah. at best Assassin's Creed 2 comes around, everybody's like, it's the net's coming. I'm like, it's the same gameplay. I don't want this. <laughs> it was just like, like Black Flag. I, I gave Black Flag a track and I was like, all right, you know what? This game's actually kind of fun. I actually don't mind this. The setting's cool, all this other stuff. I, I didn't still was, I was like, okay, they made an okay game. And then like they had a bunch of glitchy performances and stuff like that. And I've just been like, I'm not an Assassin's Creed fan. I'm the worst person against them. I gotta say, the trailer looks pretty sick, and I like the setting. Uh, I'm gonna have to still see more before I dive into it and be like, this is gonna be the game that converts me from everything. But I have been interested because they have gone into more RPG elements, and I love a good RPG. Oh, shit. I forgot they made a movie. Yep, yeah, they made a movie. Yep. I never watched oh, shit. I forgot about that. Oh, I might yeah. have to go check that out. Uh, I don't think yeah, they're like their games. <laughs> Holy no. Holy dear, but where is the lie? <laughs> Not here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I, I like, yeah, like I've said, not a each Assassin's yeah. Creed fan, but I don't know. I don't know if I like the setting as much. I really like the Odyssey because it was like everything was like cool, tropical ocean. It's like really nice, uh, sunny, and everything. And I mean, England, for all its wonderful you, people I'll that are from, it's not exactly... Describe the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Scotland? Scotland good. England yeah. bad. Yeah. That's basically, that's I think we can, we can all agree on that. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, I have no yeah. reason to distrust you. I've never been to either. I think the one thing, the one through line that every person who's experienced assassin's creed will always be consistent on if they hate the series they love it they will at least say black flag kind of fun that's the mm-hmm. one sentiment that every assassin's creed player or adjacent person has always held is assassins is black flag okay it's pretty good yeah, yeah. and Some you can fun. tell that that the developers really like saw that reaction yeah. because there has been a little yeah. bit of black flag in every single assassin's creed game since then yeah yeah, I, I will say the best thing that Assassin's Creed 
uh, they've done for that series, though, in my opinion, as somebody who is an, uh, a hater, um, <laughs> is making it to where the games don't come out on a yearly basis. Because mm-hmm. I do think that they've added more polish and you don't have the nightmares like Unity. I think Unity was an absolute nightmare to look at. Uh, and at that time, I was working as a, a GameStop manager, and I was having to try and sell this game. And I was like, I don't want to sell this to you, but yeah, if you want it, buy it. Everyone had seen the syndicate screenshots by that point, and they're like, yeah, you know, like it's... the eyeballs popping out of the, <laughs> yeah, the eyeballs the hanging. In the... Yeah. All right, all right. Last second, to last topic, and then we're gonna wrap up because we're actually going pretty long. <laughs> um, so. We talked about game leaks a little bit last last week on the show, but actually this is a different type of game leak. Um, the old Nintendo source code for a bunch of their old games was released online this week or past, last week, uh, leading to a bunch of their old games getting PC ports, of all things. So like Super Mario 64 and like games like that now have like working PC ports that aren't just like emulations, which is really, really interesting. And I'm sure Nintendo's like freaking out about that because Nintendo unlike some other studios, is one of the only studios that, that is still releasing Super Mario 64 on a regular basis on their next newest console. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure they're upset about I, that. Yeah, I would say uh, that, I mean, it's a crime, right? Like that, I mean, <laughs> yes. It, it's, it, it's, like it just, I mean, it's a crime. Like we'll just state that right now. It is illegal. That long pause. <laughs> <laughs> However, silver lining, I'm hoping that Nintendo will go, yeah, this is pretty fucked, but look at all the people who want to buy this game on PC and the Ooh. longevity that's going to have on PC. Never going to happen. What if we just just sold it on PC? Never going to happen. Never. <laughs> make the money. Never going to happen. Because it's official, right? Like... <laughs> They could literally do a Nintendo 64 pack and like legitimately be like, oh, hey, dude, yeah. here, here, here's, yeah. uh, here's a couple of games in Nintendo 64. But yeah. You, you give us a hundred dollars. Yeah. And you can have Pokemon Stadium. Yeah. You can have Super Mario 64. Four. You can have Star yeah. Fox 64. Dude, go you can all the way back the, to like uh, you NES. can have Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You want like, you want like, original Zelda? Go ahead. Bam. Here you go. Dude, you want I honestly? Mask? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I honestly I, think that if they just set up a like a, a GameFly or or like PS4 Pro kind of system where it's like, look, you subscribe to us and you have our full catalog of games. Yeah. Fifty bucks, right, a month. I'm like, yeah, okay, fifty bucks a month for all of the Nintendo games in my childhood. I'll, I'll sure, well, fifty bucks might be a bit <laughs> much. It's hyperbole at that point, but but yeah, I'm like, yes, I would totally subscribe to a Nintendo like game shop that I could play on my PC. Yes, hands down. There's so many I, games that I would do that. I bought a fucking mini, like the NES mini, because I I liked three games on it. And I'm it has like 50 of them on there. <laughs> I'm convinced that somebody, like the head person at Nintendo, whoever they are, was bullied by a PC gamer as a child. <laughs> and they have just harbored <laughs> this grudge against PC gamers ever since then. They hate PC. They won't do anything with it. Every yeah. single Nintendo game to ever come out would run so much better on PC and they just don't want to do it. They want to sell their little Nintendo switches and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's focusing on their market, right? I get it. Business, you know, business wise, like I understand it, the, the, the whole market, their, their brand, like I understand all of it, but 
at the same time, I'm like, it's so easy just to make a PC port. <laughs> like, and 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 to like to our conversation uh, before, right? Uh, uh, porting something over can, depending on what it is, can be very difficult. It can be very difficult and time consuming. Um, I think in this case, it's worth it. I think in this case, it would definitely be worth it for them to take their 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 catalog and make it available uh, on on a platform yeah. uh, as expansive as PC. There's a a Wii U emulator called Simu that has a version of Breath of the Wild that you can play on PC that is gorgeous. It runs flawlessly. It looks ridiculously amazing. It is just one of the best looking games that you can play on PC. And it's a Switch game. It's a it's a Nintendo game that got emulated on pc and you can just see the potential that these games have if you play breath of the wild on switch it's still a good experience but you're gonna have frame rate issues you're gonna have downscaling the resolution's not gonna look great there's pop in all sorts of problems all technical problems that aren't with the game itself it's just with the hardware and you're just looking at you're like this could have been such a better experience for everyone if you just allowed them to do something on pc with this or a different a more powerful console um and like playing Breath of the Wild on PC, which I I spent a lot of time doing, and I, I have Breath of the Wild on Switch too. I bought that a long time ago, but um, it's just it's so it's the level of difference between the two experiences is ridiculous. It's such a gorgeous game. The modders have done a tremendous job of like retouching it for PC experience. It's just amazing, and it's just really depressing to know that Nintendo will probably never do anything like that because they could probably do an even better job. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, last topic, and we're going to wrap up. We've already been going okay. for over an hour and a half, um, which is longer than I said. I promised Larry. Larry's probably gritting his teeth and being angry at me because I promised him <laughs> it would be not as long this week. But, um, yes, sir, I can always just close this. Then he realized he brought computer. me on. Yeah, he brought me back as well. I, I yeah, already right. dragged yeah, last exactly. episode on. I was got two. Yeah, exactly. Last topic, um, Half-Life Alex apparently added over one or nearly 1 million new VR users to Steam, which means that over 1 million people or nearly 1 million people went out and bought some form of VR to play Half-Life Alex, which is ridiculous. That's amazing for VR because VR has always been sort of this like above enthusiast level of, of platform that people are just like, it's hard to get into because a, you have to already be an enthusiast to have like the hardware to run this. You need a, a decent computer to run this. And B, if you want to have like a really good experience, you're gonna have to spend like another eight hundred dollars on top of that to get all the, the stupid stuff, like the poles and the headset. And then C, it's like still kind of glitchy to begin with. So just the fact that Valve can release this game and, and reach this large of an audience is like really encouraging for the VR space because it could be easy to see that VR could just be like that blip that's like oh man that was kind of cool but it never really takes off but for a game like alex to have this sort of impact that that's that bodes well i think that we might see Mm -hmm. a lot more vr coming in the future because of this i think vr has slowly been because vr is not a new thing right like it's it's had a resurgence recently but um i think that's because technology has finally caught up to um the idea um (laughs) i think the next thing we're going to see a major surge when they are able to have a self-enclosed VR headset. So yeah, audio, they, like they do. right. Yeah. They yeah, have yeah. It? Oh, sorry, it's not what? great. Yeah. 
but they have it. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's the, the and then yeah. and then the, also the cost that that's associated yeah, yeah, with it, yeah, right? Yeah. I, as soon as that comes down, um, I think you're going to see it because it's chicken and the egg, right? People have the hardware, but there's nothing to um, to play, and no one buys the hardware because there's nothing to play, right? No one delivers because mm-hmm. there's you know like it, it's this whole back and forth. So yeah. as soon as it starts to come up, and as soon as you get some of these really big names like the the Half Life, uh, and then also Immortal Vader is like that's an experience coming out like I, I you get some you get some of these big names uh to invest and the people are going to come because the experience is really just fucking cool it's the next it's, level it's so it's radical dude honestly is yeah. the phrase <laughs> I would use. like i i can stand i will stand vr until the end of days honestly um i think that alex was a, such a smart move to use vr and to to have this obviously like the next half-life game massive boost on it but then the way they chose to do it was so good as far as i've heard it was executed really surprisingly well um and the fact that vr now that the quest the oculus quest is a thing um is like was the biggest thing for me for that medium of the whole cycle was like the fact that it went wireless and functioned uh mm-hmm. effectively enough i imagine it probably doesn't run alex too well because alex <laughs> is such a complex experience but like you can get a quest and you can play beat saber you can mm-hmm. play vr chat and you can play all of the equivalents of those and that's such great value <laughs> for something like that which is mm-hmm. now convenient to use and i uh the other part of vr that i really want to shout out is vr esports is actually Uh, it is so cool i have been lucky enough to do league operations for three of esl's vr leagues in 2018 and uh the games they were playing one of them was called onward which is an fps a team fps Mm -hmm. uh which is really jank but so cool and it's so fun to play and it really does get you into that kind of mindset and then the other was i don't know if anyone here has seen ender's game the film yeah. Oh, yeah, the book. Yeah. But the training exercise they play in zero gravity, floating around this kind of ovular space, trying to get the ball yeah. into the hole. They basically just yeah. made that, but in VR, and it works That's beautifully. Cool. It's so disorienting because you put the headset on and it puts you in zero yeah, G like, yeah. and you will you'll stumble and, and feel uncomfortable for a bit, but it's so visceral, it's so fun once you get into it. And you can watch the players on the stage with the setup like ducking and diving and when they're playing onward yeah. like they've got the uh they're called pro sticks which have like the heads the uh handsets set into them and they're mm-hmm. like doing it and they're crouching and they're lying on their stomach and they're rolling onto their back like in this zone and they have to reach up here to talk into their mics and stuff like it's it's so fun to watch and the games are so cool uh even with the flaws like i really yeah. want to keep on in touch with vr esports just to see how it develops because yeah. it looks so exciting to touch into that, could you imagine being able to watch it in VR? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I, I'm thinking, like, in, in, like, like think Rocket League. Like, if I'm yeah. like, well, I want to watch Rocket League, I don't want to play, put on the headset, and here I am, front row, looking at these life-sized cars just fucking, and having that experience. And then having that with yeah. any yeah. any game that you can imagine. 
yeah there's there's a project that um esl uk has been heading up it's a government research project called weaver which is sponsored by innovate uk and it's leading a consortium of companies i can't speak in too much detail about it because it's still in development but this has been demonstrated at esl1 birmingham uh last year um which is working on this kind of full the program is called and the process is called audience of the future and it's about delivering this you know put on a headset and you're in the stands of these virtual stands in the arena and you can go into yeah. like a, a war room like vr style that has like the map in front of you you can look on it's got stats up here and it's got like the 3d holographic map with the stuff moving on it and like that's it's happening it's being developed yeah. right now and it's gonna be here and i think that that is just insane you know how actually close that kind of stuff is the scariest thing VR, like i said the scariest thing that i think that vr or faces is that it might have come back too early um it we might not be quite there technologically to make vr like the the, the next experience and i don't know if mm-hmm. that's going to be the case because like previously when vr was around it was like 20 years ago or so and it was garbage it's just a piece of trash <laughs> but it was like it was still kind of cool people still liked it and i'm afraid that was, like 20 years from yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm afraid like 20 years from now people are going to look back and be like man if only this was like if only this came five years later or something and when we had quantum computer phones instead of those garbage silicon pieces of crap man um i think that's true for almost any like if you do hindsight 2020 like Mm -hmm. man this would have been so much better if we just waited i think that there are stepping stones though um i think ar is going to be incredibly important um uh, like the uh like the descent i think is some it's these vr theme parks um Mm -hmm. that actually you know like they they really sell the experience but it is ar meets vr um that's and then uh, um the disneyland thing the uh yep uh the rebel's end or something or whatever Uh Mm -hmm. um that's it's basically a vr thing or ar vr sort of experience yeah so I, I honestly believe there are going to be steps uh, because one of the major things with VR, one, it's the cost, but two, the space, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. a major factor. Um, so how do you design around that? How do you get, uh, you know, on Omnitread is cool, but not everyone's going to be able to have an Omnitread. I think, <laughs> I think people are going to realize that so. you don't really have to have the walking around experience for VR all the time, mm-hmm. at least for some games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and hopefully they'll embrace that because there's a lot of games that you can play in VR, where you're just like sitting on a chair yeah. or something, you don't have to be yeah. like yeah. running around like, like, in your like room. Beat Saber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the I uh, oh, go ahead. But specifically about Half Life Alex, their the insight that I have is for um for their movement system, which is a smooth, fluid movement system. So as I can tell, using an analog stick. Originally, the game was gonna be a point and click and move to that spot system. Uh, I think they have they have both. I think you can choose what you want to do. Uh-oh. Oh, did we lose CJ? CJ, <laughs> come back. CJ, uh, come back. Oh, the, no. Okay, quick. Talk shit about CJ. <laughs> the internet, the, the English internet went out. Oh, well, no. I think what he was going to say is something about how, like, they have this, either you move your, you don't actually have to physically run around. You can just move your analog stick. Um, But you also have, like, the system where you can just point your controller and, and teleport to a place, too, because I've seen that happen. Uh, anyway. I really uh, like I can, the idea of being able to move around analog stick that just for in my mind but i know you get into things like motion sickness and yeah stuff like that. you can figure it's it out huge space yeah well i'm not sure if we're gonna get cj back but i wanted to thank yeah. him oh, oh he's here oh. <laughs> he's back did you want to did you want to finish your thoughts cj 
Oh, I thought he was back. I'm CJ, and I'm like British. <laughs> He's still gone. Wow. Right. That's not even close. <laughs> I'm sorry, CJ. Okay. We're going to wrap up here. We've been going for almost two hours now. Great show, everyone. I wanted to thank Travesty for coming on so much. Thank you so much, Trav. You've been a fantastic guest. Uh, if you want to catch anything that Trav does, follow him on Twitter at Travesty. It's on the screen right now. It's just Travy S T Y Y. Um, I'll put it down in the description for all the stuff if you don't want to spell it out. Great guy. He casts a lot of stuff. Um, you want to, uh, do you want to plug any casting that you're going to be doing in the next few weeks? Um, so I, I'll be doing the DCCS this weekend. That starts at 4 p.m. EST. That's going to be a best of three. I'll be doing that Saturday, Sunday. And then, uh, I will be doing some upsurge stuff. They've got the basic scouting grounds and stuff like that that's going on. So I'll be doing a lot of that throughout the week. So just stay tuned and you'll be able to catch all of that action. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Trav. You've been a fantastic guest. Appreciate it for coming on. And hopefully we didn't take too much of your time. Um, it's always gonna. It's always a struggle with this podcast where it's like, hey, we're gonna talk about this and tangents, tangents, tangents. So, yes, yeah, thanks that's again. What, that's what makes it so much fun. <laughs> it was a great show. I wanted to thank CJ for coming on again. He's not here at the moment because uh, his internet cut out apparently. But uh, another another uh, great experience with him. He's he's such a great guest to have on. Uh, a lot of fun. You can catch him at ESL underscore CJ on Twitter. As always, have all the links in the description. Um, he'll be doing some. DCCS stuff next week as well. He's, he's doing more coaching, so that should be fun. Um, and then Larry, as always, at Riot Legend Larry on Twitter. He does all his cool Twitter stuff with his uh, league lore and other tidbits. Catch him there. And then don't follow me because I'm boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to plug this real quick because I know I, I talked to a few people. If you want to watch the show, um, you're free to watch the Twitch VOD, but if you want to watch it on YouTube, we have it on YouTube. It's at uh, youtube.com slash Nighthawk20,000, I think. Um, or if you want to watch it or just listen to the show, it's on all major platforms. So it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, all sorts of stuff. You don't have to watch the video. You can just listen to it as well. Because I know some people were like, I couldn't find it. Um, I just wanted to watch it on Twitch. So uh, join the Discord if you want links for that. If you can't find it, it's all in there. Uh, just give me an at. I'll, I'll give it to you. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> discord.gg slash nighthawk uh, okay I think we're gonna wrap up now thanks everyone for coming out it was a great show we've reached episode 10 which is double digits woo Yay! I never thought we'd get here <laughs> <laughs> have a lovely day everyone thanks so much bye